don't worry, folks. We're here. Just Blog Talk Radio Studio is giving me a little bit of difficulty, so it's making it kind of difficult for me to get to the theme song. Hey, Tony, can you hear me? Yep. All right, let's get this started. Ladies and gentlemen, the reaction for October 20th starts now. I think that'll be enough of that. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the... What the hell was that? I have no idea. Shenanigans afoot here already, and we're just getting started. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a long night at this rate. Hey, Houston Discord. All right. Anyways. Okay, power off before we end up with a repeat of what happened last week with me distracted watching the football game while I'm trying to do the show. Good evening, everybody, and welcome into the reaction. October 20th, 2014. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Joining me as per usual, Tony Acero. Tony, what's going on? How was your weekend? Oh, it was adventurous. I was in Arizona visiting a lady friend of mine. A lady friend? Yeah, I have a few of those. <laughs> oh Lord. Anyways, alright, let's go ahead and get tonight's show started here. Um real quick, because Dude, you you keep getting text messages, it's gonna completely throw off the show. <laughs> that's what that's done, is that's your phone vibrating from the text messages. Yeah, I don't have my headset with me today. Um, all right, because I know it was a big talking point on 411, and it's something that you like to discuss here. Why don't you go ahead and briefly mention the sign that made air at the start of the show? I'm actually going to do the complete opposite and not mention it. I have no interest whatsoever in giving that person any more um, airtime, either in the raw report or online, than he already has. So if you want to move on, I'm okay with that. Very well, then. Okay. Sounds like we've got a heat here. <laughs> No, there are. I just there are. It, it's not even. Yeah, I don't dislike anyone. I just don't like giving you know additional um, notoriety to someone Exposure. that's undeserving of it. Yeah, that's all. It's not even animosity or any type of heat. It's just very simple, basic. We have more important things to talk about. Indeed, we do, and let's we get to it because we have a jam-packed recap to get to tonight, especially given the fact that. Well, one of us still has to pull up the card and write down the matches for Hell in the Cell so we can do predictions. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. I should probably get that. <laughs> 3-2, Tony. This is your chance to tie it up. But before we get to our Hell in a Cell predictions, let's go ahead and do what we're here to do on the reaction. Let's talk about Raw. <clears throat> okay. All right, and the very first thing that you highlighted here, and we'll go ahead and use this to talk about both the opening promo as well as the main event, because we'll touch on Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, and Mick Foley. Yes, Mick Foley's return this evening a little bit later on in the show. So let's go ahead and get to how you put it, separating main event, Cena changes his focus. Yeah. So um, let's go ahead and do that, and I'll look up the uh, pay-per-view cards I have for our prediction segment a little bit later. Okay. Yeah, well, I wanted to, um, you know, for a little bit over a month now, we've been melding storylines a lot, and um, particularly with John Cena and Seth Rollins, and um, I'm sorry, and Dean Ambrose. They've been teaming up together seemingly every week. They've been facing the authorities seemingly every week. There's really not been much of a change in terms of storyline or where they're going with this, that, and whatever. Tonight, they tried to um, deviate, deviate from that, even though the main event had them tagging together against the authority. We still saw um, a line, a, a fine line drawn between the feuds. It is no longer Cena and Ambrose going against the authority. It is now Cena versus Orton, Ambrose versus Rollins. And they tried to make that point um, very, very um, blatantly throughout tonight's show. And we'll talk about each of those segments separately in the, um, later on. But I think I wanted to just point out basically how uh, you covered the start of the show for me, thankfully, so I can get something to eat. <clears throat> And uh, I think that that's what they were trying to do, was really divide um, what we were going to be seeing tonight and what we are going to be seeing in the future. To kind of give each match their own level of importance, and I kind of appreciated that. Yeah, I agree. It's important that they actually keep a separate focus on these two matches, even though they're both within the confines of Hell in a Cell. And technically speaking, both of them tie into the central storyline of Cena and Ambrose versus the respective authority members. And technically, I guess we could still consider Brock Lesnar a member of the Authority by proxy, given the Authority's association with Paul Heyman, who also returns this evening. Mm-hmm. That's something else that we can touch on as well here, although I think you have one of your dues set aside for that, so I'm not going to step on your toes. I'll let you get to that when we get to the dues. Um, the other thing that I wanted to discuss as well in regards to them keeping the storyline matches separate as well is the fact that they actually kind of did tie them together a little bit when they had it announced that it was Seth Rollins who gave Triple H the idea to make John Cena and Randy Orton tell in a cell match for the number one contendership. And then we saw why a little bit later on in the show when Orton questioned Rollins about it, and Rollins said, well, look at it this way. If you beat Lesnar for the title, it makes my job a whole lot easier. <laughs> yeah. Basically pulling Orton's punk card on him. Right. <clears throat> and it's So it's my question totally... for you... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was just saying it's totally in line with Seth Rollins' character, the the fact that he's supposed to be a little bit smarter than most others. And um, that kind of, even though it's, it's minimal, like it makes perfect sense to us, it just seems like uh, something that a Rollins would do. Dude's a weasel, and he plays it perfectly. And especially given what happened in the finality of tonight's main event. And that's actually the one thing I want to discuss with you with the main event. I noticed you mentioned in the Raw report that the match came off a little bit floppy. But I think that has a tendency to happen in these kind of matches, like the street fights and your no disqualification matches and stuff. Due to yeah, the fact I even, that... I even called it the right kind of floppy. It was um, it was tons of fun. But yeah, it, it, was, uh, it, was, it was chaotic. It was... It was 
it was what I expected to see from Ambrose in a three-on-two handicap Hell in the Cell match. I mean, I'm sorry. Are, uh, we, going, fight. are we going to touch on the Cena-Ambrose backstage promo a little bit later on with the uh, the Rollins and Ambrose segment? If not, I'd like to yeah, touch I, on that here. Yeah, sure. Let's let's we could no, we're not gonna do it. We were gonna, I was gonna kinda bring it up somehow, but yeah, we could do it specifically now if you'd like. Dean Ambrose is turning into Heath Ledger before our very eyes. <laughs> and rather hysterically so. Two very quotable lines from Ambrose in that segment. Okay, first of all, the fact that he was watching See No Evil 2 as a way to prepare for his match with Kane tonight was A, a very well-done plug for the movie, and B, very fitting of Ambrose's psyche. Mm-hmm. Um, B, the line about calling Cena Superman and himself Batman, the very first thought that I had there, and I posted it in the uh, Raw thread on Facebook, was Ambrose with the quote, I'm Batman. Because <laughs> I could totally see him doing that. And yeah. he, the way that he explained it, it made perfect sense. He basically just fights the bad guys. Well, in his opinion, who he believes are the bad guys. Right. Uh, the other thing was, too, is despite the fact that I'm on, despite the fact that I'm undefeated in contract on a pole matches, it's not common <laughs> knowledge that handicapped street fights are my specialty. Right, right. <laughs> And then at the very tail end of it, Cena looks at him and goes, you're not Batman, you're the Joker. And then right as we fade out, Ambrose looks towards where Cena walked away from him and goes, I'm so serious. Because <laughs> that entire segment was perfect for both of them. It's one of the rare examples of the WWE trying to do comedy and getting it correct. Yeah, definitely correct. And because uh, it's just so simple. And and they, they man, they suck at simple. They're always trying to go above and beyond, and it comes off as extremely cheesy and just... This worked. I think it's mainly because of Ambrose. I don't know who wrote it. Because, you see, that was funny. Um, later in the show, did something that, sorry, to me, just wasn't funny at all. So I, I really don't know for sure who to blame or who to commend for the... Uh, the awesomeness that is Ambrose when um, we're referring to the Joker lines and what we saw earlier in the show versus what we saw a little bit later. See, we're going to butt heads on that segment, but we'll we'll get more into that a little bit later on on the broadcast. Uh, let's actually get to the main event here since it ties in with this and there's really nowhere else to slot it on the broadcast, on tonight's show. <laughs> right. Um, as we said, it was, you said it was sloppy, but the good kind of sloppy. And as I said before we got into the bit backstage with Tina Ambrose, is, is this was exactly what you would expect from this kind of match this close to the pay-per-view. Obviously, there's not going to be any super crazy bumps, but there's going to be enough stuff to keep the fans interested, in addition to telling a very good story of, Am- of Orton picking up the win and standing tall for the authority by pinning Ambrose. Uh, two questions for you and to the result of tonight's main event. Number one, was the authority winning tonight's match a wise idea? And number two, what did you think of Seth Rollins curb-stopping Randy Orton after the pinfall? Um, I like that they gave us something to look forward to both during the pay-per-view and after. Um, You know, those two have been at each other's necks for a while, and Seth Rollins is, you know, doing his best to prove that he is the top dog. So uh, it's very, very interesting. And it came out of nowhere. I was shocked. Uh, So that was nice. Um, I'm okay with the authority winning. It's a three-on-two match. It's handicapped, and if Cena would have won, everyone would have been pissed off, including myself. So 
I didn't mind them winning. I, I thought it was a nice way to show that Ambrose and Cena are not invincible, even if they're working together. And Ambrose got a lot of offense, especially near the end. He looked like he was running the show for a while while Cena was taking a nap and a half ringside. Yeah, the big thing there was it was the main recipient of the hot tag in the main event tonight was Ambrose, and I think that's kind of telling us to their faith in him. Mm-hmm. Because it's not very often that you see Cena in a tag match, and he's not the recipient of the hot tag at the tail end of the contest. Right. All right, so obviously more to come on the situation with Ambrose and Rollins a little bit later on in the show. But for now despite the fact that you left me in charge of the Raw report in order for you to go get some earlier, you're looking a little thirsty over there, Tony. Hmm. And luckily for you, I restocked over the weekend. Um, Yeah, tonight uh, I wanted to talk about Dolph Ziggler. Well, I mean, this is partly for Cesaro as well, because that match was awesome. It was really short in... Like in the in the effect that it could have been longer and it still would have been great, probably even greater. It's just one of those things where you see it and it's so I don't I don't I didn't time it, but it felt short. And I don't know if it's because of the speed, the commercial break, or it was really short. But what they did within that small amount of time made me feel like their upcoming matches are going to be awesome. And nothing extravagant happened other than Cesaro doing things that we simply haven't seen in a long time. And Dolph Ziggler selling like an amazing, you know, salesperson. <laughs> so them two together, they pulled off a great match that I, I, I don't know. I, I felt like it was way better than I, I rated it. And then at the same time, I felt like I rated it too high because it was so short. But still, there was just man, there was a lot going on there, and I, I liked the entirety of the match. And Cesaro went with an uppercut, like that came out of nowhere. <laughs> I had two problems with the match. The ring work was fantastic, as is the usual from these two guys. So that's obviously something you've come to expect every week on Raw, is that if Cesaro and Dolph get match time and enough time to actually tell us during their matches, they're going to put on one of the better broadcasts, no matter who they're facing, respectively. Putting them in the ring together is just going to up the ante that much further. Uh, The two questions, the two thoughts that I had on this match were, one, the commercial break was very weirdly timed. Like, they were only, like, yeah. a minute or two in the match when they took that commercial break, and it kind of killed a little bit of the momentum to me for the match itself, as you said. It felt a lot shorter than the match really was because we missed a good three, three and a half minutes of it in the commercial break right as it was getting started. The other thing that bothered me was the fact that Cesaro, or, excuse me, Ziggler lost cleanly here. And I can understand wanting to put Cesaro over to set up the match at Hell in a Cell, and I'm sure that's what this was. But if you're going to do that, why not have the story of Cesaro cheats to beat Ziggler tonight? Especially given the fact that Cesaro had been screwed in the two previous singles encounters that they had had. Hmm. Because what you're basically doing is, yet again, you're having your Intercontinental Champion lose on television. And this is the fourth show in a row that that's happened, which bothers me. Yeah, I can definitely see where you're coming from in that. And and I agree completely. Um it's one thing to give Cesaro some credibility, but it's also your fault that he has no credibility. So, I mean, what else is, uh, you know, <laughs> so it, it's kind of, it's kind of upsetting to see Dolph lose, but I mean, at the same time it's expected and that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing that it's expected. Cesaro and Dolph both have the same issue where they're just not believed in. So we're stuck 
cheering for them because we like them so much, but really that's all we got. And that sucks. <laughs> yeah, it seems kind of like the uh, Intercontinental title was put on Dolph to kind of placate his fan base in order to say, hey, all right, we recognize that Dolph's putting in work. Here's the IC title. Now prepare to have him lose a bunch of times on television. That's Which, pretty much exactly what they're saying to us. Already happening. So, you know, it's like nothing has changed for Ziggler. He just has a belt that he carries out on his shoulder. Meanwhile, there are plenty of guys that you could just announce Ziggler and Cesaro over the fact that Cesaro got screwed out of the match that happened on SmackDown when Cesaro's foot was underneath the rope. You can just have mm-hmm. that match announced there. And then let Ziggler talk and let Cesaro be in-ring in action. Give a guy like Justin Gabriel some screen time. I would right. like to see a t- uh, I like to see a six to eight minute match between Cesaro and Justin Gabriel to build up Cesaro as a threat, and you can still do the same finish there by having Cesaro pick Gabriel off with the uppercut as well, because Gabriel's just as athletic as Ziggler is. Yeah, Dolph wouldn't have to lose, and you'd still see Cesaro be a badass. Uh, just the booking decisions in this company get a little bit frustrating at times, even if the matches are good. Yeah. And I think that's something that we as fans, we kind of have to draw that line there is, like you said, you don't do a lot in the way of fantasy booking. I do. Right. And yeah. one of the things that I do with my fantasy booking is, is I always try to keep my champion strong. And that's something that right. I think that the major promotions need to do is because if you're going to have a champion that's constantly losing, then nobody's going to buy into him as a credible champion. So if somebody beats him for a title, big deal. They beat a loser. Big deal. It was obvious that it was going to happen or something to that effect. Exactly. So instead of having the championship matches, if they ever do occur on Raw and SmackDown, which they do on occasion, mean something, it's just another opportunity for us to see these guys and go like, eh, what's the point? That's at least where I'm coming from there. Um, Yeah, no, I understand. I get it. And I I kind of agree. I, I just don't. Um, it, it, you know, sometimes, and I, I, I think it's just being because I don't want to complain, but sometimes we're just clouded by the fact that matches were pretty damn awesome. Like, okay, like let me give you an example. If we go back to the main event for just a second, I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was great. I thought everything happened for a reason and everything worked out at the end, and even the authority winning worked for me. But like, isn't like why is there a street fight with tags and then the tags stopped mattering? And then they started, you know, to be enforced. And then they went away again. And then you didn't know who was legal and who was illegal. And then it just went to a mess. So it's like, yeah, I want to have fun and have a good time watching this match. But sometimes you're just like, wait, hold on, guys. What are we doing here? (laughs) That's something that came up on the thread on Yes as well is, like, why is there a tag match? Why are there tags in a street fight? And I think that's something that becomes a situation if they're not used to having these kind of situations where it's multiple men in, in non-even numbers. So it kind of throws mm-hmm. off the balance of these matches, too. Yeah. Well, and then you also if you saw, remember... Um, if you remember the, in, the tornado... Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, uh, if you remember the like the the, uh, the one match, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago, where they did for the, uh, the tag champions and... I forget who Gold Dustin Stardust were facing, but it was like a tornado tag match, and everybody was legal the entire time. So it's something that uh, allows the action to stay current as well as not 
dipping into that hole have to build towards the tag formula that happens in these these kind of matches. All right, go ahead yeah. with your point now. Oh well, I was I was uh, I was noticing like I even wrote in the raw report like so I assume there's not going to be any tags. Um, or no, I said I assume there's going to be tags because I saw a tag happen. But then I saw Kane and Orton on the floor instead of on the apron. And, and then and then I saw a tag not even happen, and then I saw him happen again, and, and I think you're right, they're just not used to it, but, um, I mean, it's really, these guys are professionals, you know, like, they, it's not, I'm not, I don't want, um, you know, well, not Justin Roberts, but I don't want Lillian Garcia standing in the middle of the ring and saying, this is how this match is going to work, it's really not that big of a deal, but it's just interesting to see that, you know, they, they <laughs> the rules matter when they want them to, and that's it. No, I agree, and that's something that kind of throws off the viewer as well, because I'm sure that we weren't the only people that had that thought, because as I said, it came up in the course of the Raw thread over on Yes, and I'm sure it came up on the comment section on 411 as well. Yeah. Tags? There are no tags. There are tags. There are no tags. Leave the tags alone. Bring back the tags. Yeah, and then, you know, it's funny, like the ropes, like the ropes disappeared years ago, and... (laughs) All right, I think that'll be about it for this particular part of the show. Um, Real quick, due to the fact that we have a lot to get to, do you want to do the plugs here, or do you want to switch the plugs up a little bit later so that way we can just stream right from the plugs into the uh, predictions? Uh, Yeah, probably the latter. I think you're on the right track with that one. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break here, and then we'll come right back with more of the reaction right after this. You're listening to The Reaction on Powerhouse Radio through blogtalkradios.com. Be right back, everybody, right after this. It's your fault, Tony. You ever meet a girl and think to yourself, she's the one. But as time goes on, you realize she ain't nothing but a host. When I met you, girl, it was love at first sight. Your hair looked so good, your dress was so tight. At first I was nervous, so quiet and shy. Wasn't sure if your type was a bro from L.I. I thought we'd be so made, like Bubba and Lime. Thought you'd be my girl till the end of time. You were my girlfriend for a couple of years. Future is so much brighter, but I still hate you. 
Facebook, follow me on Twitter. You broke my heart twice, okay, I'll admit I'm bitter. Try to read your mind, but the print was too small. But you anything you wanted when we went to the mall. You got multiple personalities and now one soul. Hope the only gift Santa Claus brings you is cold. And even though I think about you every single day, you're not the one who got away, you're the one who walked away. Roses are red and violets are blue. You may have touched me, but I still will. Tony, you know you want to. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's all right. I don't have my singing pipes on right now. <laughs> so that that last week was a once in a lifetime occurrence. Maybe maybe not once in a lifetime. I'm sure it'll come up again, especially when my new track hits about AJ. But for now, <laughs> oh, God. All right, let's talk about Raw. Um, all right. I see what you wrote in the preview, so I'm looking forward to seeing you explain it. <laughs> okay, so um, in the middle of the show, Ambrose came down the ramp with a large duffel bag. Um, you know, there wasn't a snake in it. On the contrary, there was actually a uh, dummy, um, a mannequin, dressed up as Seth Rollins. My immediate reaction was, oh, this is going to be good. (laughs) And then it wasn't good. And I was so sad because there was a lot of of puns involved. He brought out a saw. He brought out a hammer. He brought out a screwdriver. And I see where it could have been funny, especially for me, because I love puns. Um, They're wonderful, like, honestly. But they just didn't work. They fell really flat. The crowd wasn't into it, which made it even worse. I wasn't into it. And honestly, I'm not going to lie to you, I felt like Ambrose wasn't into it. I felt like he's like, this is what you're giving me? This is bullshit. Um, Seth Rollins came out after a little bit of, you know, just dead air, where basically nothing, in my opinion, wasn't all that funny um, and didn't fit Ambrose. What fit Ambrose was him cutting off his hand and being crazy with it, but the dialogue itself, and, and for the most part as a whole, that part just didn't work for me. I didn't like it. Um, so uh, Rollins comes down, and he has his piece, which is a bit better than Ambrose's if we're comparing the two promos. Um, now, I'm going to let you talk before I lead into the second do, which will help me pontificate more um, what I mean by why Ambrose didn't work and the only saving grace, in my opinion, of that particular promo. Go ahead and disagree. All right. A couple of things to a couple of things to touch on about what you said there. First of all, in regards to your comment about things being ponderful, that's not funny. Anyways. Uh. <laughs> at the wait for the at the wait We are terrible comedians over here. We're pun anyways. Pun. Um Good grief. 
anyways, um, I actually thought it was okay. I wasn't blown away by any of the bits, and I think one of the bigger problems, too, was the fact that Cole and uh, JBL kept stepping on all of Ambrose's punchlines. Like, he would say something there, and before the fans at home could get it, Cole or JBL or Lawler would try to one-up him with a joke of their own about what was happening inside of the ring. Yeah, and they're not funny either. They're best left to their own. They're best not left to their own devices. And giving them the opportunity to have a segment like this, where it's meant to be silly fun, because it's still marketed towards kids. It's called loaded. Regardless of how over the edge or crazy or office rocker or lunatic fringe, loose cannon, whatever you want Dean Ambrose to be, it's still a show marketed to kids. Now, granted, showing kids that it's okay to use tongs on people's testicles probably not the wisest idea. But he did the same thing with the ones from the hot dog cart uh, last week on Raw, too. So, you know, there's still some semblance of continuity there. Because he yeah. looked at the tongs and he put them in the back and went like, hello, old friend. <laughs> that part was pretty funny. Um, the best joke from the entire segment, though, came from uh, JBL. Most of the time, Cole and JBL and Lawler would just kind of go through the motions there. And then when Rollins comes out, you see Noble and Mercury behind him, and then Cole and then JBL gets in the line. Hey, look, two more mannequins. <laughs> that bit I did enjoy. But uh, all right, go ahead and get to the uh, the second part of this, and I'll go ahead and pop the top for you as we go into it. Okay. Once I get back to the well, bottom uh, after the. Uh... Hold on. The um... wait, wait for your pop top. <laughs> Uh, you know, like I like I expressed, I didn't really like the segment with Ambrose um, and Rollins. It was a, it was a rare miss um, for me, and um, there was a saving grace that I found, and it came in the form of Mick Foley, who um, there was a time in the WWE where Mick Foley was coming out a little bit too much, and he he hinged on the promos where he yells and expresses his extreme passion for wrestling. <clears throat> and it, it it worked almost all the time, but then it got a little tedious. Um, we haven't seen him in a while, at least not in this particular um, uh, state where he's focused on someone else's match. We have seen it many times, particularly with Cena. But to see him come out for Ambrose and Rollins, two guys that are relatively rookies in WWE, and kind of express like the old guard telling the new guard, this ain't no joke, I thought it added so much more than um, Ambrose stabbing a mannequin with a screwdriver. Um, Foley didn't say anything new. He didn't say anything fresh. He said everything that we knew he was going to say about the cell and how it changed his life and it left emotional scars and blah, blah, blah. But Ambrose got his own words in. Rollins was able to take jabs at Foley. And it was just, it was so nice to see all of that underneath the cell work out well because Foley is hell in the cell. I mean, if it ain't Taker, it's him, no matter what Orton or Triple H may want or may want to say or think. And um, it just, it was really cool to see those two getting the rub from Foley. Yeah, it was an excellent rub from Foley for both of them there and putting over the importance of the match coming up on Sunday. The other thing that surprised me there is apparently the issues that Ambrose and Foley had have been squashed if they're going to work together like this. And it kind of gave me a little bit to see the long-rumored Ambrose and Foley promo uh, bit, match signal, whatever they want to do with it, actually come to fruition at some point down the road when you when you go to turn Ambrose heel, should such a day ever occur. 
if you can get a motivated Mick Foley back into shape for a match with Ambrose, I think the promos alone would sell that match. Then again, I said that about Jericho Wyatt as well, and look where that left us. So. <laughs> but when you guys have two, when you have two people who are legitimately as off their rocker character-wise as Dean Ambrose and Mick Foley are, I think that the two of them together with my time would be would be some excellent television. And we got a little glimpse of that this evening too when uh. Foley said when Ambrose told Foley that he appreciated the warning, but it's not like it, he's not going to be adding more scars on the scars that are already there anyway. Right. Which kind of allowed Ambrose to play more into the how unhinged his character actually is. Yeah, he's like, there's a lot of shit you guys don't know, basically. <laughs> and that's intriguing. That that that's really awesome. Well, one of the things is, too, is the fact that the reason they put him in the body suit to begin with from when he signed in the WWE, uh, I'm sure not a lot of the mainstream fans know this, but I'm sure a lot of our listeners do because we tend to attract a relatively smart audience for the reaction. Ambrose used to do death matches, so his body is pretty scarred up from those. Yeah, I just recently saw a clip or two of one, and man... I've never been a big fan of matches like that. I don't look down on them or say that people are stupid. It's just not something that I actively go out to watch. And since it was Ambrose, I watched it, and it was pretty. It was pretty intense. It was pretty pretty graphic. So yeah, I'm well aware of his. Um, and I'm sure, like you said, our listeners are as well. So it, it fits, and it's nice to see a nod to that that he's not non-existent before the WWE. Like he does have a past. Exactly, and that's something that I think the WWE could learn a lesson from as well going forward is acknowledging the history of these people and acknowledging the history of where they come from. Because when you look in the DVDs that have been released over the years, look at Punk's DVD and the fact that they actually want and acquired ROH and IWA Mid-South footage in order to use that inside of the DVD that they did for Punk. And they've done that for other people too. I think Cena's DVD had some of his UPW footage inside of it. So acknowledging that these guys had a past before they came to the WWE allows you to further tell their stories as to how far they've come in the roads that they've traveled to get to where they are in this profession. I think that helps. Yeah, I, it does help. It helps a lot. And, and, and it adds more layers to the character. It makes them more real, more well-rounded, just more attachable. Like, they're not just like, oh, name change, you have no past. <laughs> Well, uh, that leads me to another thing about this, too, is what did you think of them acknowledging that Kenta was Kenta before the name change? Um, I thought that was cool. I mean, it goes along with what I said, that there, there's a lot of history in that person. And to deny that history and assume that he's just WWE and nothing before that is is cutting the legs off of him. There's, there's, that means that you're not allowing your audience to trust him as a, a seasoned, basically, vet. Like, I, I called Rollins and Ambrose rookies. You and I both know that neither one of those guys are rookies. They're new to the mass amounts of fans of the WWE, but they've been doing this shit for a while. So it's hard to call them rookies with a straight face when we both know, you know, they've been around. Um, and, and then to, to deny that, even as a fan, would just be, um, it would be silly. It would be silly of you to think that these guys are anything but, you know, um, old, like, vets, pretty much. No, I completely understand where you're coming from, too. And as I said, I think it's something that definitely helps build character. Uh, look at the underdog story that they told with Brian about him rising out from the gymnasiums and stuff, like when he was 
having his beef with Michael Cole and the fact that they used the fact that Brian came up in this business in order to help him appeal towards the more mass appeal market when he was going at it with Michael Cole in NXT. <laughs> yeah. All right. A uh, couple quick plugs, and then we're going to get into quick hits. Quick hits is going to be really short this week because we touch on everything else during the course of the show. And in addition, we do have the rather lengthy Hell in a Cell prediction segment to still come up tonight as well. So let's go ahead right. and get to the plugs, and then we'll do some quick hits. The reaction is a presentation of Powerhouse Radio in association with www.prowrestlingpowerhouse.com. In addition, you can find Pro Wrestling Powerhouse on Facebook by searching for Pro Wrestling Powerhouse. Our intrepid leader, Jay Aletto, gives us this stage every Monday night to come to you with the details of what went down on the show, and, you know, it's nice of him to do so. In addition, the reaction is also in association with Wrestling to the Max, which is a podcast from our friends Sean Garmer, Gary Joe Vaughn, and Paul Brian Leiser, your co-workers over at 411. We also are very active with the Yes, Yes, Yes Facebook group, my my brainchild back in 2012, and able to uh, keep a nice reputation going there. And as Tony says, if you're not on the uh, 411 site there, keeping up with them in the raw thread during the live uh, broadcast and his raw coverage that he does, um, Yes does the same thing. We do a raw thread every week, and it usually averages about two to 300 comments with everybody chiming in and keeping up on the show and everything. So it's something to look into. If, if you're looking for more Raw than just listening to us two clowns talk about it every Monday night. Uh, Tony, why don't you go ahead and tell them about your work for 411? Uh, I do the weekly Raw report. Um, just cover what you guys may not want to because it's a three-hour show and some of it's really tedious. But um, uh, I may, um, you know, I'm not going to make an official announcement, but I may be slowing down on doing that pretty soon. Um, probably within the next month or so. I haven't, I'm going to be looking for a replacement only because um, I've got a lot going on for me in terms of the other writing. I just got a pretty interesting deal for a um, a book next year, Harry. I haven't even told you this. And um, um, I got a deadline now. And the scary thing about deadlines is that they, um, <clears throat> they're pretty straightforward. You, you finish a job by this point, and you get paid or you don't. <laughs> so um, I think in the interest of my career as a writer, which I don't know many people know, that is essentially what I do aside from bartending, that, you know, I'm a writer. Um, I'll be working on my third book, and I'm hoping, and, and according to different sources, this might put me in the upper echelon of writers. So I may have to step away from the raw report. We'll see. But I just want to put it out there that if anybody thinks they can handle it, um, by all means, send us, uh, you know, send Larry or myself or even Jeremy Thomas a little bit about yourself and whether or not you feel you can do the Raw Report on a weekly basis without any hiccups or if you have yourself a good friend like Harry who can cover the first five minutes for you every now and then, um, you may be on to something. <laughs> yeah, I did the live reports for Greg when Wrestling Smash was a thing. That is not something I ever want to do again. <laughs> My, I think my big problem when I was doing those is the fact that I was doing every weekly television show, and it just got to be so tedious. Sometimes it takes away from the enjoyment of the show. Sometimes you just want it, to watch. You you notice every roll-up. 
you're like, wow, that's the third one this episode. You notice every match that starts with a lockup. You notice, you know, like, oh, man, like, this is the same template. You don't notice that when you're just watching. <laughs> every match is different. But when you're writing it down or when you're watching and saying, okay, this happened, this happened, this happened, you're like, wow, son of a bitch. Like, I can call that match without even seeing it. That's sad. <laughs> No, you get to the point where you can tell what's going to happen before it happens. I mean, in some cases, fans get that availability as well, but it doesn't happen as commonly as somebody that does these recaps and stuff. And that's something that we've discussed about on this show before is the fact that being a recapper, a journalist is about the product takes away from your ability to just enjoy the product as a fan. Yeah. And for all I know, it may bring a new perspective to the show, the, the raw reaction. It may... I may love everything after this, you know, <laughs> after I'm no longer doing the Raw Report. I may not be cynical at all. Harry, what are you talking about? It was uh, the greatest show ever. It was so awesome. <laughs> you're a natural cynic, Tony. I think we'll be okay. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, in regards to your your statement about Ambrose and acknowledging Ambrose and Rollins have a history, Ambrose actually was under a WWE developmental deal back as far as 2005. Wow. Back when he was working in the Heartland Wrestling Association with Les Thatcher. All right. Back to the uh, back to the quick hits now. Uh, one thing to touch on before we hit quick hits, your thought on the release of Justin Roberts? Um, I don't care one way or the other. I think he was a good hand. I don't think he had any negative qualities about him. I'm not 100% sure what happened. Some say it's money. Some say it's a shouting match with Michael Cole. Um, it's not a big loss, but it is unfortunate for the dude. He seemed like a relatively nice guy. Maybe this is just, yeah, uh, you the, know, Daniel Bryan's way of getting of revenge the, on him somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I made a joke in one of the other, to one of the other people I was talking to that ideally he got fired for choking Bryan with a tie backstage in his ultimate act of revenge. <laughs> So, you know, I just thought that was kind of humorous. Um, it's unfortunate to see Justin go. I think Justin's voice added a lot to the atmosphere, but at the same time, it's always nice to see him leaning on the wall. Yeah. Yep. You will be missed. So, uh, apparently Justin's trying to write a book, too. I don't know if you heard that or not. Oh, well, I mean, with a, the job with the WWE, I'm sure there's tons of stories to tell. I don't know if you're going to be allowed to, but... <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a case of how many of those stories is he legally allowed to tell without getting letters from Jerry McDevitt and friends over in corporate. <laughs> uh, we only have two things that we're not actually touching on in the reaction tonight. And ironically enough, they're both women's matches, so let's go ahead and get to it. Brie Bella Summer Rae, preview for Brie and Nikki at Hell in a Cell. <laughs> Um, Bree didn't do too bad in this match. Uh, she didn't look bad at all. Um, so that's a good thing. That's probably the nicest thing I could say. Um, Summer was Summer. She's not bad, nor is she good. And, uh, but still, it doesn't make me any more interested than, um, in match, <clears throat> in the, um, in the match with Bree and Nikki than I was before, which was zero. Well, there is good news. At least there was no, no mic time for the Bellas tonight. Yeah. But even watching Nikki over enunciate with her hands was bad enough for me. 
her sign language was pissing you off. <laughs> yeah. Even that was just a bit much. Great. All right, moving on. Um, the actual Divas match tonight that you will want to talk about, AJ Lee and Alicia Fox. Oh, yeah. Um, they tried to add something new to this by showing that Paige and Alicia were a little bit smarter than the you know the cunning AJ Lee by doing a little fake scuffle. It came off a little too real, which is weird to say, um, because it made it look even more fake. But anyways, uh, it wasn't a big deal. I just it was just another it was a means to an end. It was a way to get from here to next week, which AJ is going to be facing Paige, right? So yes, um, the match itself. I mean, I don't. Maybe Alicia is safe, and we just don't know it. But I swear, I cringe with every backbreaker and and you know axe kick that she does. Like I swear, she's gonna kill somebody. And like I said, AJ AJ sells so well. She's she's a great seller. Like every hit she takes, she's gonna flop like crazy. So she makes it look flop even worse. But Alicia, there. yeah. But Alicia just looks. I don't know. I can't say vicious because vicious is all like, oh yeah, she looks like she's kicking her ass. But in a wrestling fan point. It's a good thing. Alicia just looks like she's about to kill somebody. Like one more mistake, and you're you're gonna knock somebody unconscious forever. Um, so, and also, like I well, like I've said before, you've got Paige who's supposed to be crazy, AJ who's supposed to be crazy. Alicia just looks like a tacked-on piece of nothing. You know, she's like a third nipple. It's just kind of there. Wow. Um, one of the things that surprised me is there's been no follow-up to the situation with AJ and Emma, and I'm a little disappointed by that, but yes, you can't have Emma stealing the show on a regular basis. Right. Sorry, I got in touch with my inner smirk there for a second. Um, you actually missed your beloved on SmackDown this past week. I did. They showed a nice little video package about it. It was AJ versus Layla. Poor Layla. Poor, poor Layla. Where was she tonight? Layla didn't get any screen time. Boo! The show gets an ass. Anyway. Yeah, just a recap, right? Yeah, just a recap of the match from SmackDown. That was it. There was no actual Layla involvement otherwise. So odds are she's either on main event or she's going to have a match on Superstars. Uh, anywho, that's basically all we had for quick hits tonight. So it's, I guess it's appropriate that we go from quick hits to Harry hit here. So let's go ahead and do that. Time for Harry's hit. Here comes up. Here comes up. Here comes up. Harry's hit. Here comes up. Here comes up. Here comes up. Y'all don't really work like that. Yeah. Oh, I Alright, so I sent you a message on Facebook that said the hit tonight will be Ms. Dow wins and Lawler asks an important question. And it's breaking news when Lawler does something intelligent at the booth these days. Mm-hmm. But Lawler actually... Okay, the match I'm referring to was a six-man tag before we go any further. It was supposed to be the Brothers Dust and The Miz against the Usos and Sheamus. Six-man tag to prepare for the two title matches at the pay-per-view the tag title match between the Usos and the Brothers Dust, and the U.S. title match between Sheamus and Miz. Miz put Sandow, or Mizdow, into the ring in his place, and then Mizdow picked up a win over Sheamus. Yes, um, he did. But, 
the important thing to me here wasn't the fact that Mizdow picked up the win over Sheamus. The important thing to me here is the question that Lawler asked Miz, and I'll ask you your thoughts on this because we've touched on this before. Lawler actually asked Miz his thoughts on the crowd's positive reaction towards Mizdow. Is it possible that they were actually anticipating Mizdow to get the reaction that he's getting by aping Miz, and it could be the lead to a babyface push? Or do you um, think it's just something that, hey, this has been happening, so let's go ahead and tie it into the story? I don't know. I, after tonight, I think that's what they're going to eventually be going towards. And if that's the case and the belt has something to do with it, I'm kind of excited for Damian Sandow. Um, I think that there's eventually going to be a face turn for Sandow, wherein, uh, you know, like tonight, Miz kind of threw him in there and said, you're taking this spot, you know. Um, we'll let Miz get a, t- you know, a, 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 a let Sandow get a title defense or a title shot, I'm sorry. And, you know, I, I, I see tons of potential. I see tons of different ideas. But it, just the reality is that it looks more and more like Sandow maybe getting a little bit more credibility, um, which I think you and I have been crying for for almost a year, you know, both off this show and on. Um, so I'm hoping I'm hoping for the best. And, and why not? Why not? They're not doing anything. Um, you know, Miz, I don't want to see Sheamus and Miz. I, I, I find it tiring. Um, and Sandow just... Sandow's good. He he's a great character. He's a good wrestler, and I think that he's got a lot to a lot for him. And I think it's time to show it. You know, the big thing to me about this whole situation is, excuse me, is the fact that they're actually allowing Sandow's personality to shine through, in addition to the fact that he's naturally getting over with the crowd through doing this this gimmick. He had his supporters back when he was doing the various impersonations of everything, but he's been so on point with his aping of the Miz that it's just given that extra layer of respectability and downright entertainment value to Damian Sandow's character. Um, I've long been a proponent of Sandow. Anybody who, who knows me knows that I've been waiting for Sandow to finally get the respect that I felt he's deserved. And it's nice to see that for the first time since he had the money in the bank contract, the WWE is actually showing some kind of genuine interest in pushing Damian Sandow. Yeah, I think that I think it's coming. I think that they're not that their hands being forced. This isn't like Daniel Bryan, you know, levels of oh, you need to push this guy. But if they listen to their crowd, then there's going to be no harm. You know, it's one of those things where you're not hurting anyone, and you're only helping your product and the wrestlers involved with your product if you actually listen to your fucking fans. Not all the time. We don't know. Yeah, yeah, but in the. In a business that's so merchandise and ratings and buy rate driven here, one of the things that you're going to want to do is you're going to you're going to want to keep an eye out on the people that the fans are drawing to. And over the last month or so, especially, I would say the fans have definitely been rallying around gaming and Mizdow. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's with a guy like Miz, who automatically will get the crowd behind him because of the fact that Miz's character is just so generally grating as it is. Yeah. And Miz's reaction so, to the win was actually stellar as well. <laughs> oh, the uh the, celib- the the facial expression over at the table and then the I won, I won. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty great. Uh expectations for Miz Dow TV on Sunday at the, on the pre-show for Hell in the Cell. Oh, it's going to be hilarious. I mean, it really depends on whether or not it's um heavily scripted, but Miz and Sandow are both, I think they both have great comedic timing. I think they both know what they're doing. And um, they're the type that could really pull something off hilarious here. 
they may even do the old, um, you know, Lucille Ball in the mirror thing. Um, uh, I don't know if you remember that. I, I don't even know why I fucking remember it. But where um, she has someone just doing it move for move what she's doing. And I think if they do that, even just for a second, it'd be hilarious. Well, they kind of do that coming down the entrance ramp with Ms. Dow impersonating all of all of Miz's motions during his entrance. Right. Yeah. And then did you see the, uh, he tried to do the clothesline, Miz's clothesline, just like him? <laughs> it's like watching a five-year-old try to be Triple H. It was just, it was awesome. <laughs> it's like watching a five-year-old try to be Triple H. I don't think I've ever quite heard it phrased like that. Well, I'm pretty quotable. You know what else you are? Amazing. Wow. <laughs> what is my third do? Rusev Big Show? I didn't even touch on Heyman, did I? We I discussed so Heyman on... briefly when we were talking yeah. about the Cena Orton segment that happened in the ring, but you can touch on Heyman as well if you want to. Okay, yeah, well, just real quick, I was talking about how Foley saved, in my opinion, Foley saved the promo from Rollins and Ambrose, and I think that Heyman saved the promo from John Cena and Orton. Although, I want to give Orton props, because even though he was a little repetitive, that's one of the better promos we've heard from Orton. Um, it wasn't too bad. Cena needed to shut up. He bothers me. Like, like he comes out and he says the same thing to everybody. You're talented, you're great, you know, but you're facing the big dog, like, blah, blah, blah. And then he wasn't so Denzel tonight, but it was getting there. It was really getting there. Um, and then just the voice of Heyman comes out, and you're like, oh, yes. Heyman didn't say anything new, but he brought the history back. He wrapped it up really well. He did what Orton was trying to do in fewer words and more impact. Orton was trying to say exactly the same thing. We've been doing this for a while, Cena. We both came up at the same time. I'm better than you. I've always been better than you. I'm going to be better than you. Um, Heyman comes out and says, oh, hold on, you guys weren't the only ones that came around this time. There's someone else, too, that you're forgetting. And he just happens to be the baddest motherfucker on the planet. So, good luck on Sunday, and we'll see you soon. <laughs> uh, your thoughts on Orton RKOing Heyman? Is it going to lead to the Orton face turn, especially given the events of the main event? Maybe. Maybe he wins. Maybe he faces Brock. It would be for sure a fucking fresh matchup not saying he'll beat Brock, but I think more people would be invested in seeing that than Cena versus Brock. Um, I think that has, Again. you know, that yeah, that is, that is, that train is, you know, that ship has sailed, that train is on the right wrong track, like, it's gone. Um, I don't think anyone's really interested. Uh, Orton and, and Brock, it's not anything I've considered, but it's not something that I would shy away from. It's also a match that, to my knowledge, has never happened before either, and that was one of the things that people were discussing before when Brock first came back: is what kind of first-time matches would you have an interest in seeing? And one of the first pers- one of the first people that a lot of people raised that point of was none other than Randy Orton. Yeah, because Orton, despite the fact that he has a rather monotonous microphone style, has always been one of those guys who's able to in the context of having the right opponent put on very entertaining matches. And it's he's somebody that also doesn't shy away from physicality in his matches. So you know that him and Brock would just beat the high holy piss out of each other. Right. And it's fresh. I mean, 
that's what you want to give, especially in the doldrums of like, you know, uh, November, December, like, well, I can't really well, call November I, a doldrum, but, but I mean, when's the last time Survivor Series was actually Survivor Series? Uh, that's a very good question. Maybe Rock's return back in 2010? Jeez. <laughs> that's unfortunate. <laughs> I asked the, the question for not still... expecting such a depressing answer. <laughs> Yeah, the last couple SummerSlams haven't meant, or excuse me, the last couple Survivor Series haven't meant a whole hell of a lot. Yeah. Went from a big four to a big, huh? (laughs) But yeah, like, even Survivor Series isn't, you know, that one, and what do they do in December now? Uh, TLC. Okay. It's actually in Cleveland this year. I might be going. Nice. Those two pay-per-views are just as, as awesome as they could be. They're throwaways. So why not have something like Orton and uh, uh, Brock? Yeah, I think it'd be great. I think it'd be awesome. Give Cena Rusev. Well, give Cena something else to do. Well, I think they want to save Cena Rusev for uh, for WrestleMania. If everything I'm hearing sure. is true, the plan is to save Cena Rusev for WrestleMania. And that actually that. ties into that actually ties into well, what happened with Cena this year with Bray Wyatt? Do you think we're starting to see the beginning of the full on? Ex- Expulsion away from Cena in the main event programs. Um, like last year at Mania, I don't, he had Bray Wyatt. Next year, he's this year at Mania, he had Bray Wyatt. Last, next year, he's rumored to be getting Rusev. Well, I mean, if that's here's the thing: Cena's never fully removed from the main event, and I'm hoping they've caught on to the idea that he doesn't need the belt to be in the main event. Um. Which is to say, I don't want him hogging any type of spotlight. But it doesn't mean if 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 WWE is smart, they can take him away from the main event without actually taking him away from the face of the WWE. They've done it before. They know how to do it. They just don't trust themselves. I I heard an interesting correlation to this topic of before, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Cena's match at WrestleMania could be the new Taker Street match. In that it doesn't have to be for a title, but you can still have that importance level behind it that there's no that it's not on on any other match on the card. Agree or disagree? It could be. I don't um and I wouldn't mind. I I think that Cena's Cena's good and at Mania he's pretty good. Uh, I haven't really seen a bad match with him uh, at WrestleMania. So he's he's a good hand and if he is in that role where he's starting to give back to the wrestling uh, business that made him, then I'm all for it. He's just got to actually give back. <laughs> Rather than talking about doing the right thing and actually go out there and, you know, do it. Yeah, and not only that, but, I mean, a win at WrestleMania is supposed to mean something. A win at WrestleMania against Cena really loses his luster if the next month you're going to be getting your ass beat. Yeah, the uh, the one step forward, two step backwards booking, like what happened with Bray Wyatt winning the cage match and then getting his ass handed to him by Cena the following month. Mm-hmm. In addition to the way that Bray Wyatt's been booked over the course of the last over the course of the last couple of months in general, um, when do you think we finally see the debut of Luke Harper and Eric Rowan as singles before we get into our pay per view predictions? 
Probably not going to happen until after the pay-per-view. Well, I guess that's obvious now because we have no wrestling. But um, I don't know. It's hard. On one aspect, I'm mad because it's taking so long. On the other one, I I think that this is a great opportunity, and I would want them to do it right. It goes back, yeah, there's a lot of anticipation here, especially from both of us, in regards to Harper and Rowan finally moving out into their own, into the singles variety. And like we were saying, in that with Harper and Rowan going singles and then the potential bring-up of the Ascension as the new followers for Bray Wyatt, it could lead to Wyatt having four other people on him when they finally decide to bring Wyatt back into the individual wrestling scene here. Uh, obviously... I'm looking more forward to seeing what they do with Harper because I have a genuine vested interest in Harper. He's somebody I've been following since he was on the independent circuit, and I don't honestly know a ton about Eric Rowan, but the vignettes that they've been doing for both of these guys have done a lot to to generate a lot of interest in both of them, and I think that's something that they don't do enough, and when they do it correctly, it really works, as we've seen in the cases of Bray Watt, or excuse me, in the cases of Luke Harper and Eric Rowan here. That was very concise. (laughs) All right, three to two, Tony. Let's see what happens. It's time for your Hell in a Cell predictions, everybody. Let's get to it. Um, we already discussed the pre-show. No match on the pre-show again this month. Instead, they're going to do Miz Dow TV as Miz, as Damian Miz Dow interviews The Miz ahead of his U.S. title match at Hell in a Cell against Sheamus. So let's open with that match. The U.S. title, Sheamus and Miz. Um, I think the way that all the stuff is going, The Miz is going to win the um, title so that he and Sandow could fight over it. Although, they may just do Sandow versus Miz without the belt having anything to do with it. Damn it! That sucks. Um, Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go with Seamus winning. I actually like your original line of thinking more. I I think Miz wins, but he doesn't win clean. And... Eventually, down the road, it's going to be a case of Damian Mizdell stepping in for Miz on the defense and dropping the title. Ooh, and then that's what's going to to the turn. That's what's going to lead to the turn on on Mizdell by Miz, and that's going to lead to their singles to their singles feud getting kicked off officially. So I'm picking Miz here, and then I'm going to say down the road that Mizdell loses it for Miz, and that's what starts the uh, the road down to their feud. Mm-hmm. So you have Sheamus, I have Miz. Yeah. Alrighty. How about uh, Big Show Rusev? You skipped your third uh, due. Yeah, it's all right. We'll just—I'll just put it in with this whole thing. Uh, Big Show bro, tried to bring out the tears. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, Big Show tried to bring out the tears tonight. Um. <laughs> it uh, it didn't work all too well, but uh, it was interesting to see. They added a whole new element tonight. They really went for it. Like this thing has been lower to lower to mid card, you know, status big time. But they they added a whole new fold to it that I thought was pretty interesting and and not a bad idea. You know, uh, Rusev was about to pull the American flag down. A soldier runs into the ring. Rusev super kicks him, and now Big Show is fighting for a whole new reason. It's not just America. It's literally. The people, like literally. So I thought it added a whole new fold. It's obvious to me that um, they're they're putting emotion behind this thing. I'm worried that Big Show's going to win because I think Rusev's role should continue the way it's going. 
But with what happened tonight, I think maybe they're going to give um, – you know, I keep backtracking. I'm going to go with Rusev. I'm going <laughs> to – I'm going to agree with Spoon Rusev, and if only for the fact that I still think that the build towards Rusev and Cena is going to happen where it's an undefeated Rusev stepping into the ring at WrestleMania with John Cena. Mm. That being said, if I were to steal a phrase, to steal a page from the guy who you're a big fan of, one Greg DeMarco, go ahead. Yeah. I am a Greg DeMarco guy. Uh, if I were to make a bold or outlandish, vivacious, or downright, um, what was the other, what's the D stand for? I forgot what the D stands for. Uh, if I were to make one of his bold predictions, sir, the soldier turns at hell in a cell. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Like I said, it's a Greg DeMarco prediction. Uh, in all seriousness, no, in all seriousness, though, it's entertaining. Relatively speaking, as Big Show has been in this feud, there's just no reason to put him over here, especially when you have a heel as hot as Rusev is right now, and him drawing the heat that he's drawing. Keep Rusev strong, continue his push, keep him going forward. Have his first technical loss be inside the Rumble match when he doesn't win the Rumble, but then you can start to build towards Cena and Rusev and make the match mean something by having Rusev's undefeated streak on the line as well. Mm-hmm. Plus, who better to stand up for the U.S. soldiers in the face of them lately, and that being John Cena? Yeah, with his camouflage glory, it'd be great. <laughs> well, let's look back at some water. of the entrances. Let's look back at some of the the entrances Cena's used over the years, with all the military bands and all the military choirs and all of the military gunmen and everything that he's used. It makes perfect sense that he would step up to defend the honor of the United States. Yeah. At least to me, anyways. All right, let's get this match out of the way. Nikki Embry, winner becomes the loser becomes the winner's personal assistant because they won't use the word bitch to tagline a match at a pay-per-view. But winner <laughs> loser becomes the winner's bitch for thirty days. Um, I think uh, it makes sense for Bree to win, but man, that just means this is a. I just think that this isn't over. <laughs> Technically speaking, either of them winning means this probably isn't over. Yeah. Um, I'll go with Bree winning. I really don't care, though. I'm taking Nikki, if only because I think that there's going to be some kind of chicanery involved with Stephanie as well. Okay. Nikki, Nikki helps Stephanie win at SummerSlam. I think maybe Stephanie returns the favor this Sunday be it through mm-hmm. sending somebody out to help Nikki or being involved yourself or a crooked referee, however you want to look at it there. Mm-hmm. The tag okay. titles are on the line. The oh, brothers yeah. dust defend against the Usos. You completely forgot um, about this match. How dare you? Yeah, well, they've kind of, they forgot about it too. <laughs> um, yeah, Gold has to man open draw tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean they forgot about the. They're, they're just not at the same level that they were a month ago, um, as far as you know, That's caring true. or even, you know. So no, uh, I don't think they're gonna lose. They just won the belts. They're not gonna lose them. And the Usos really have. They need to step away from the titles for a little bit, or at least do something slightly different. They're they're getting stale. So I'm gonna go with Stardust and Goldust. 
Uh, I'm with you here. I think there's more potential in going for it with the dust with the brothers dust keeping the tag titles, especially when you have. I mean, honestly, you don't really have any credible teams left in the undercard right now. But it would be the perfect opportunity to build up a couple of teams in the undercard in order to have them go after the brothers dust. Maybe even the super athletic friends Big E and Kofi Kingston. Mm-hmm. That would be a fun match. Yeah, a Big E had a pretty good match with Rusev tonight. I was impressed. Most of the matches that Big E and Rusev have had, especially going all the way back to the Payback pay-per-view, have been pretty solid. It's just a case of Big E never being able to get the job done. Big E was both strong in a couple of those matches, and then obviously once Rusev moved on to other things like Swagger and stuff, Big E became something of cannon fodder towards Rusev, but still. Anywho, moving on. All right, let's talk about your favorite match on the show. Divas titles on the line. AJ Lee defends yep. against Paige. AJ's winning. And if she doesn't, I'm going to be really upset. Not just because I love AJ, but because what the hell's the point? <laughs> like, come on, guys. We're, 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 we're running in circles here. There's not, there's not a lot new going on here than from the first time they interacted. We're trading the title back and forth. You need to do something now. You need to do something a little bit different. You need to add something to it. You need to, you need to do something. So I'm hoping AJ wins. Um, just because Paige winning would be going the exact same steps they've done before. I'm going to agree with you and pick AJ here, and the reason I'm picking AJ is because I think there's a story to be told between AJ and Emma. And logically speaking, that makes Emma the next viable contender towards the D-list title, and it puts no reason to put the belt on Paige for Emma to get a shot at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Emma kind of just disappeared after AJ turned on her, uh, after AJ dropped off the apron on her, and I think there's more to be told to that story, even if they don't necessarily see it. It's something that I would definitely not mind seeing too, because Emma can go, and a obviously AJ can go, and those are probably and that's probably the best match that you're going to have now, especially since Paige is apparently rumored to be going to Total Divas. Yeah, that's a shame. They, I think it's going to remove else. a lot of them going to remove the mystique of her as a character um you don't know much about her which allows us to allows her to grow slowly you put her on total diva she's going to be a caricature which we're going to expect to fulfill a role on tv that's just not cool yeah it'd be really nice if they could keep the women that can actually work away from that show Summer's turning into a decent worker but she's not going to be anywhere near the level that an aj or a page or a natalia or an emma is at Mm-hmm. And well, even Charlotte down in NXT, they're com- coming up as well to help fortify the women's division. But if you're going to have these women involved with the reality TV show, it's going to affect their ring, in-ring stuff because their matches are just going to be gigantic cross-promotion for the reality show. That's a waste of everybody's time, especially if there are women that can go inside of the ring. Which one of the double mains do you want to hit first? Go ahead and take your pick and give me your prediction. Let's just do Cena and Orton and pretend that Ambrose and Rollins are going to close. <laughs> yeah, let's actually let's actually add that for a bonus point there. Cena, Orton, Rollins, Ambrose. Which one actually main events the show? Cena Orton is going to close the show for sure. Um, and I think that. Um, well, I hope that Orton wins, and I'm gonna um, I'm gonna go with an Orton win. Yeah, I'm gonna go with an Orton win. Um, just it's more of a ballsy prediction. Not too ballsy because it's a 50-50 chance, but I'm going to go with it. And then 
Um, you know, logical booking says that Ambrose wins his match because Rollins is at the top of the cage tonight. Um, so my prediction for both of those is Ambrose and Orton. Um, I agree with you in Dean Ambrose, and I actually think Rollins and Ambrose main events the show, and that's why Ambrose stands tall. Mm-hmm. I think Cena beats Orton. And it's not a case of me wanting Cena to beat Orton. It's a case of Cena has to claim that he had Lesnar beaten before Rollins got involved back at Night of Champions. So it just makes, for them, it makes sense to go back down the road of Cena getting another crack at Lesnar, this time with even footing, possibly putting it in some kind of a stipulation, maybe having Cena and Lesnar do a cage match or something in Survivor Series. If you want to put right. some kind of, if you want to put some kind of way to negate, even though we all know cage matches don't really negate interference anymore, but if you want to put some kind of way to negate the influence of the authority going forward. Plus, I think Orton's going to be looking at face-to-face with the program with Seth Rollins coming up real soon, too, given what happened at the very tail end of Raw tonight. So, there you have it, everybody. Feel free to make fun of us for how wrong we were come Monday. (laughs) I'm (laughs) sure we'll be making fun of each other for how wrong we were come Monday. Mostly, Harry, but saying how wrong I am. Well, you did win the last one. You are on a one-pay-per-view winning streak. Yes. So we'll see what happens. I heard that, yes. <laughs> hey, Tony, what was your favorite part of tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw? Um, hmm, tough one. Uh, I want to say AJ, you know, but um, if I'm being honest, then I enjoyed Cesaro and Dolph's match. Um, I liked uh, Ambrose's um, first little mini promo backstage. I'll give it, I'll give it to Dolph and Cesaro. I think I just had a lot of fun with it. I know the booking wasn't to your liking, and it makes perfect sense, and it's very logical as to why you wouldn't, but I'll give it to them. Raw wasn't bad tonight. It was just kind of average. Well, the thing was, is Raw was a go-home tonight. Let's call it what it is. Nothing super standoutish, yeah. but nothing, outra- nothing outright mind-numbingly stupid either. Um, My favorite part of Raw tonight? Mick Foley's appearance. Okay. This is a situation, and we discussed this a couple weeks ago, where you can use these big names from wrestling's past in order to sell these upcoming matches. Having Hulk Hogan come out and whine and blah, blah, blah about the breast cancer movement with Susan G. Coleman for the cure is going to do nothing but make us not want to listen to the Orange Goblin. Having, having Rick Flair threatening to appear on every other episode of Monday Night Raw and then it not actually happening is going to do nothing. Having Mick Foley yeah. come out and stand in the center of the ring to say hello to his old friend, as he put it, in regards to the hell in the cell. Yeah, that was awesome. And sell the importance of the match and and the effects that that kind of match can have on you makes me give tonight's most favorite moment of the show to Mick Foley. Yeah. Uh, What did you like the least about tonight's show? Um, You know, I have to, again, there was no Slater Gator. There was no midget wrestling. There was no Adam Rose. There was nothing bad, you know, so that's a positive for them. Um, I think if I had to say what I didn't like, and this isn't a, I'd have to go with Brie and Summer, although I have to give Brie credit simply because she did put together a, a seemingly okay match. It was average, and um, um, she's getting a little bit better, which I cannot say the same for Nikki. 
So I'll just stick with that one as the, the bad, I guess, unless I'm missing something, which I probably am. I'm a little tired. Nothing stood out to me as actively stupid. Uh, I okay. I think my least favorite part of tonight's show was the ending to Dolphin Cesaro. And I okay. lamented on this early in the broadcast, so I don't feel the need to get back into it, but I will right. just real quick say that there were other ways around having Cesaro beating Dolph tonight. There was no reason to have it be Queen in the middle of the ring. Because, again, it's the fourth straight show that you've had your Intercontinental Champion do the job. So if he loses the title this Sunday to Cesaro, realistically speaking, what fucking difference does it make? Mm-hmm. you built him up as a guy that loses matches on TV anyway, so it's just another loss on TV, just this time with the bum line for, for Ziggler. Your overall letter grade for tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw? Um, I'll go with B-, minus. Um, closing in on a C. Uh, like I said, a lot of it was average. I didn't find anything like, holy shit, other than holy, um, nor did I find anything like, oh, what the fuck. <laughs> so uh, I think a B- minus giving it a slight edge just because it's the the Monday before a pay-per-view. So, you know, we weren't going to have long matches. We were going to have a lot of promos and everything. So due to my expectations being a little bit lower and the show just being what it is, uh, B-minus is fine. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'm going to give the show a B. And the reason being is is I had that. I had that same expectation value going into the show as you did in the fact that it's to go home for a pay-per-view. So we're not going to expect a whole lot of blow-away moments, a whole lot of crazy things to happen. I mean, we've had go-home shows with that before. Uh, I just recently re-watched the 2008 Royal Rumble with uh, Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton. And they did the bit where they did the bit on the go-home brawl where Hardy did the swanton off the Titantron. Right. And then that was one of those moments that made you go, holy shit, they did that on a go-home. <laughs> you just, you never see those kind of moments on the go-home because they're so worried about people getting hurt and possibly screwing up with their main event picture. And then and Roman Reigns he loses a hernia the day before a show when nothing happened on the Raw before that to him. Exactly. So it's one of those lines that, yeah. It's one of those lines that you have to carefully walk, but at the same time, it's if injuries are going to happen, they're going to happen. It's nothing you're going to do to prevent them. Yeah. Eventually, they're gonna, eventually everybody's going to get caught up in the situation. It's just a case of trying to prevent and trying to work around them as best as you can. So that's. But that being said, there was nothing, as you said, nothing actively intelligent in talking tonight. Nothing mind waste, mind numbingly stupid. Even though you didn't care for the Ambrose and Rollins segment up until the point that Foley came in, the fact that Foley did come in definitely helped it in your opinion. And I actually thought a couple of the bits with Ambrose and and the uh, crash test dummy were pretty funny. Although, as I said, one of the things that I could have done without with was uh, JBL stepping on the dummy line before Ambrose had the chance to do it. I did mark for the pile driver on the dummy. I'm just going to go ahead and toss that out there. I thought that was hysterical. Down goes dummy. Down goes dummy. <laughs> so, there you have it. Um, Anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? Uh, No. Hey, uh, he's Tony Acero. I'm Harry Broadhurst. I have a show on Sunday evening. I don't know how this keeps happening, but this is like the third pay-per-view in a row that this has happened. And I will not be able to watch Hell in a Cell live. 
I hope to God I've had a chance to see it by the time we go live on the air next week. But if I haven't, well, I'll kind of wing it as best as I can anyway. We'll figure it out. For 411 Mania's Tony Acero, I'm Harry Broadhurst telling you thank you for listening to the reaction here on Powerhouse Radio through blogtalkradio.com backslash PWC Radio. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next Monday night, October 27th, for the next episode of The Reaction. Take care, everyone. Deuces, bitches. <laughs>